Well, this is a timely sermon topic, isn't it? Um, we, we live in a place where peace is hard to find, at least in the news, anyway. Uh, news is filled with stories of war, people around the place killing one another. And um, you know something, that there's lots of different expressions of a lack of peace. But when you get to the point where the only way to deal with something is to kill someone, that's end stage lack of peace. That's what it is. Uh, we see it on our TVs, on our computers, gets piped to phones in our pockets. We see videos that have disclaimers at the front of them talking about graphic content and we watch them. Not saying that's a bad thing, but we watch them and we watch unspeakable horrors and the internet just pipes it to us. It takes what's over there and it brings it right here, plays it right in front of our faces. And, and so this disturbance that's international in nature becomes a local one for us. That's what it is. We, we get disturbed, don't we? Uh, we get unsettled. It's as if this overseas disturbance spreads to us. And, and if you've lived longer than probably 10 minutes, uh, one of the things that that you've noticed is that lack of peace actually isn't anything new uh, around the place. Um, if we're honest, we know and we've lived out the reality of peace coming and going well before Russia attacked Ukraine and well before Hamas attacked Israel. We, we've experienced lack of peace at school, in our homes, in our extended families, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our workplaces, at our sporting clubs, with our neighbours in our souls, right? Um, and we know what it's like to be people who work for peace and also create disturbance. We know what that's like. Um, we, we know what it's like to be people who really enjoy peace and then also have moments where we despair of ever finding it. Um, See, our lives are a microcosm of what happens across our world because the world's filled with people like us, isn't it? Uh, fallen people. And, you know, one thing is true when it comes to peace that we, we all want it. I've never heard um, anyone ever say they don't want peace. Everyone wants peace. We all do. Um, whether you've got it now or you don't have it, everyone wants it. Um, and today we're actually looking at a section in John where Jesus speaks specifically about peace and it's an unusual peace that he talks about today because it isn't the all-pervasive messianic peace that the Old Testament prophets talked about where it's just everywhere. It's, it's like you can't actually get away from it, at least not yet. It's not that yet. But, but what Jesus talks to, about today is it's a deep peace. It's a very personal peace. And it's a very strong peace. It's a very robust peace because it's not a peace that's dependent on circumstances. It's actually a peace that can exist in the middle of a war zone. You see, that is the kind of peace that our world desperately needs, isn't it? That, that's the kind of peace that we need, isn't it? A robust 
peace. Well, what's a robust peace? What's a peace that isn't dependent on circumstances? Well, here's what God's up to. God isn't just up to sorting out your circumstances so you have peace. That will happen in fullness one day. But here's God's plan for you right now that he's on about, that he's active in at this very moment. He wants to make you a peaceful person. That's what he's doing. He's making you a peaceful person. Someone who will have peace in every situation. Every situation. Someone who will have a calming effect on people around them. And not because you're in denial and you, face, you, you uh, refuse to face up to reality and not because you're one of those annoying, positive, optimistic people who just flip it all the time on you. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, dude, like this is really, really bad. Oh, no, I found something good. The guy had his shoelaces done up. Yeah, that's right. And we just had a massive car accident and someone's in an ambulance off the hospital, you know. Jesus wants to turn you into the kind of person who can look trouble right in the eye, someone who can be right smack in the middle of it and not be troubled to the core about it, not be consumed by it. It's the kind of people God wants us to be. It's the kind of people God is growing us into. So let's read from uh, John 14. If you've got your Bibles there, I'd love you to grab those. John 14, 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this morning when it comes to peace, we're going to look at three things. Losing it, getting it, and growing it. That's what we're going to look at today. So let's hook in with the first one here, losing it. Looking at verse 27, as I said before, we all love peace. We all want to keep it when we have it. But here's the reality about peace. It never seems to be as expansive as we want or last as long as we want it to last. And so I want to just take a moment to uh, talk about how you lose it. How do you lose peace? How does that actually happen? And if you've been around the church here, Enough, you know that we talk a lot about story. We talk about the fact that the Bible is a story and the story of human history, the story of reality in a sense is that it starts with an expansive, all-pervasive peace and for those who love Jesus, it ends with an expansive, all-pervasive peace. So you have a beginning, a middle and an end to the story and the beginning and the end are actually almost identical. In terms of peace, uh, the Hebrew word to describe peace uh, in the Old Testament is shalom and and shalom is is where humanity started and shalom isn't just the absence of something, shalom is when everything works properly, it operates the way that it's meant to operate. You know, when humanity started, when God first created us, we were in a place of complete peace, it was all-pervading, it was everywhere, you couldn't get away from peace. There was so much of it. And it's the peace that was happening back then was connected to being under the rule of the Prince of Peace. 
who is God. And you know, there's a, there's a middle to the story, and the middle to the story is a bit rough, right? Because the peace is actually lost. You know, you go back to the beginning, and you, you have this rule of the Lord who is peace, the God of peace, which Scripture says over and over. And at the end, everything's peaceful, and it's all pervasive, and it's everywhere, and you can't get away from it, because everyone's back underneath the rule of the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, but in the middle, not so much, Right? In the middle, there's moments where there are peace, where there is peace between warring countries. There's a cool drink at the end of a hot day when you're tired, sitting watching the sunset. That's, that's peace, isn't it? A, a period of good physical health after a bout of sickness. That's peace. There's, there's good moments. There are moments of peace, to be sure, but the good bits don't seem to last as long as we want something always seems to come in to disturb the peace and you know the story that you and I are in wasn't meant to have trouble in it it just wasn't you know there's a sense in which humanity is ill-fitting for the place that we're in now God didn't create you to be in a place where there's a whole bunch of trouble going on around the place you were made for peace, not trouble. But trouble's not far away, is it? And it doesn't take long to actually find it. If you look at what the Bible teaches about how trouble came into the world, you find out early on in the Bible that we brought it in. We were the ones who disturbed the peace. And this, this peace that we used to have actually was connected to being underneath God and his good and kind and benevolent rule and, and that's kind of how peace works is like it, it's he you know in Isaiah 9 uh, let me read you this scripture Isaiah 9 this is a prophecy about Jesus it's, it's a beautiful prophecy um, a messianic pro- prophecy about the Messiah of the greatness of his govern, government and peace there will be no end You see, peace is connected to the Prince of Peace, right? I mean, can you imagine being in a place where it doesn't run out? Where peace doesn't run out? That you can't get to the end of it? That you could get on a train, a plane, a ship, and you could sail, fly, and travel forever and never get to the end of peace? See, that is connected to being underneath the rule of the Prince of, Priest, Prince of Peace. When he comes and he rules in his kindness and his love and, and people willingly put themselves under his rule, you know what happens? Peace happens. That's what happens. But if you step out from underneath that, if you step out from underneath his kind, loving, peace-giving rule, peace disappears. And that's, that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened in the story. We get a little way in and Adam and Eve say, we don't want to be under your rule anymore. And, and if you say you don't want to be under the rule of the Prince of Peace, well, good luck to you, right? Because you are now going to be out on your own. Uh, Shalom gets shattered. Uh, Adam and Eve want to do things their way. Things stopped operating properly. It was the very first disturbance of the peace, wasn't it? Back then, 
And every other disturbance bears the same DNA fingerprint, so to speak, as the first one. I want you to think about selfishness for a moment. Just as an example, there's six members of the Sondergell family. Um, Andrew and I, four boys, uh, and none of us is perfect. Now imagine there's five of us at home, just hypothetically, all right? And we're being unselfish, serving one another. Ange walks in from, from work one day and there's just three boys that are just kind of jumping and jostling to say, how's your day going and how was it today and would you like a cup of tea? And, and, um, and then I kind of walk in the door and the boys go, hey, Dad, how you going? This is like, it's so awesome just to have you home. You're like the awesomest dad. And is this something that we can get for you, some toast or, or a coffee or something? Uh, and they're just kind of serving each other and just just loving it. And then the fourth boy shows up. And he is filthy about something, right? And he wants everyone to do what he wants. In fact, he'd just like everyone else to disappear so he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He wants the food he wants. He wants to watch the TV show he wants to watch. And he wants other people to get out of the way so he can have what he wants whenever he wants. You see it? It's a disturbance of the peace, isn't it? See that? Whenever any of us are selfish, it's a disturbance of the peace. That's what it is. And in fact, you could just say that the biblical category for um, disobedience to God is sin. And sin is always a disturbance of the peace. Always. It's how sin works. That's what it is by definition. And you can see it happening all around you. This is the world that we live in. This is the air that we breathe. We've got the beginning, the middle, and the ending of the story. Here's something that characterizes the middle. Uh, We want peace. We work for peace. And yet we all have moments where we act in ways which disturb the peace. That's, that's true, isn't it? Uh, we have to be honest about that. I mean, in a cosmic sense, if um, disturbance of the peace is a criminal offence, which it actually is, um, most probably all of us should be arrested. <laughs> true? Because uh, in spite of the fact that we really want it, there have been many times where we have disturbed the peace. We've all messed with it. And uh, here's, here's the... Uh, the reality is that our disturbance of the peace hasn't just affected us and other people. It's actually affected the whole of creation as well. This is what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 21. Um, the disturbance of the peace in the very beginning has expanded to every area of our world and every part of us. So, with that as the background, uh, what is Jesus talking about in John chapter 14? When he talks about peace, peace from what? Peace in the midst of what? Uh, what, what trouble does Jesus have in mind uh, with respect to the disciples specifically, uh, given that he's talking to them um, in the first instance? Well, uh, this would do it to you, wouldn't it? Uh, false charges, a corrupt court, flogging to within an inch of your life and crucifixion of the one that you dedicated your life to. That would do it to you, wouldn't it? Um, and that, that would probably be enough to disturb the peace for you. Um, or perhaps 
this would disturb the peace. Jesus comes back from the dead. It's great. He shows up a bunch of times and then he leaves. <laughs> that, that would probably disturb the peace at that point, wouldn't it? Um, and then you get into the book of Acts and you see the stories about the early church. Who It, it appears thought that they were just going to help Judaism to kind of come along and follow Jesus. And then it becomes really clear that ain't going to happen. Um, and the Jews start coming after the early church and there's opposition, there's active opposition and the early church gets hunted down, thrown in jail. And you only have to read some of the um, historians from the time, they got killed in some of the most barbaric ways. That would disturb your peace, wouldn't it? You know, all this on top of the fact that each of these disciples have got all the normal disturbances of peace that happen from living in a fallen world where things break, where people get sick and trouble of every description happens. I mean, Jesus says later on in the Gospel of John, he says, in this world you will have trouble. And um, we say, amen, (laughs) don't we? You'll have trouble. It's not the only thing you'll have, but you'll have trouble. But in the midst of this, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this trouble, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Can you hear him? You you have to stop and soak this up. Jesus wants you to have peace. Jesus knows trouble is coming your way, but he doesn't want you or the disciples, I want you to hear me, he doesn't want you or the disciples to be unnecessarily troubled by trouble. Trouble is troubling, that's why it's called trouble. Okay, trouble is troubling, that's why it's called trouble. But Jesus' plan is that you would have peace in the midst of trouble. Deep down, peace. Now, do you believe him? Do you? Do you believe Jesus' heart that he wants you to have peace? Or do you hesitate? Perhaps some of you might even hesitate because you go, well, I think I'm a stirrer up of trouble in my own life and in people around me. And I, I just want to, if, if you hesitate for that reason, I just go, well, don't let that stop you because it doesn't stop Jesus. He's working to bring peace to you, even though you might be someone who actually stirs up a lot of trouble in your own life. Here's a really powerful scripture from Isaiah 57. This is the Lord saying, I've seen their ways, their dodgy ways, but what's his heart? But I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. Is that good news for anyone? 
Is there anyone here who needs to hear the Lord say to them, I have seen your ways and they are not good ways, but I will heal you. That's what I will do. I will guide you. I will restore comfort. Peace, peace. So, that's how you lose it. Anyone up for more peace? Yeah? You'd like a little more peace? Well, that's good, because my next point is, how do you get it? All right? How do you get the peace that Jesus is talking about? And the bottom line is, you get the peace that Jesus is talking about in a completely different way to the way that the world does. And Jesus says this very clearly here. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Give you what? I'll give you peace. I mean, give you peace the way that the world gives it. And so... The question you've got to ask at that point is, well, how does the world go about giving peace or getting peace? Um, and I think it comes down largely to two ways that the world goes about getting peace, and it's this way, with power and money. That's basically how it happens. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Imagine, uh, this is the power example. Imagine you're, you're down at the bank and you were drawing some cash and someone runs in with a shotgun and a balaclava, and everyone's on the deck. Chaos. There's no peace there at that point in time. They're robbing the bank, and you're in there. Someone somewhere hits the panic alarm, right? The police get notified, and they're able to get there while the bank robber is still there in the, in the building. They come in. They overwhelm the bank robber with power. arrest the guy and take him away power can be used to bring about peace and I'm not even talking about unhealthy expressions of power at this point I'm just talking about a healthy expression of power we're staying with the positive here Um, because in our world power is not always used in a measured way but you get the idea back in the day in Jesus's day there was something called the, the Pax Romano which is the peace which the Roman government brought about and the and the and it was talked about. It was a thing back then in Jesus' day, but it was brought about through the brutal use of the sword. And I think Jesus could well have been referring to that in what he says here in verse 27. But that's one of the ways that uh, we, um, we try to deal uh, with peace or the world tries to deal, uh, sorry, with the lack of peace and to bring about peace. The other example is money. And we have seen this time and time again. Uh, We've seen situations where someone has been hurt very badly by someone else. And what happens when someone gets hurt very badly by someone else? Well, they take the other person to court. And what do they do? They're suing the other person for damages. And one of the things that often happens is the parties will get together and there'll be a settlement out of court, right? Where it's like there's no peace between these people but they actually sit down and one person works out how much money they're prepared to give and the other person works out how much money they're prepared to accept so that everything can just be settled. And, and then the money's paid and the money brings about peace, right? The money brings about peace. There was a disturbance and the exchange of money brought about peace. Now, I'm sure that you can think of lots of other examples of these kinds of ways of bringing about peace and there's some that are unhealthy and a lot that are 
healthy. But I just want to stop for a moment and, and just, just hang on the positive and just think about the effectiveness of power and money in bringing about peace. Now, with the two examples that I gave, can money and power bring about some peace? Of course. Of course they can. Would you say that the two examples I gave you are examples of money and power bringing about a pervasive peace? No, they're not. They're not. Why? Because despite the police dealing with the situation in the bank, anyone who was in the bank probably didn't sleep that well that night, right? They probably stayed awake most of the night or for a few nights or a few weeks. Because even though the, the victims who are in court who settled outside of court and had more money in their bank accounts, they still had the trauma and the scarred memories to deal with after that. What's the difference? What's the difference between the kind of peace that Jesus is bringing about and the kind of peace that the world does? Well, here's the difference. It's the difference between an external, circumstantial peace and an internal peace. That's what it is. World can't do anything more than bring about external conditions for peace. They change the circumstances. They neutralize the disturbance externally. It's kind of like the whole superhero narrative. No superhero ever gets down inside anyone's heart and does anything different on the inside. It's all external stuff. They don't bring about internal peace, a peace at the core of who you are, a peace that circumstances can't shake. And this is what Jesus is up to with you. He's working to bring about internal peace in you, regardless of your circumstances. Well, can't do that. Superheroes can't do that. Like, only Jesus can do that. And your question, obviously, at that point is, well, how is he going to do that? How do you do that? Is it like, I don't know, is there like some kind of USB port in your heart somewhere and you just got to stick a USB stick in it, it's going to pipe some peace or something in there? Well, I th actually think that Jesus answers this in the previous verse, in John 14 verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. So what is the peace that Jesus gives and the peace he leaves with you? Well, I think it's got to do with the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of people and bring peace to them by reminding them of everything that Jesus has said. Now, at this point, you could ask the question, okay, is that all it is? We just need to know the content the factual information about the things that Jesus said. And so the, um, you know, the Holy Spirit's kind of, it's going to be like a virtual reality headset and you're just going to be going through the day and a verse is going to pop up on the screen uh, of something that Jesus said. And just because that thing's true, you're going to be okay. And I kind of go, well, that's, that's kind of most of it, but I don't think that's all of it. I actually think there's more going on than that in what the Spirit is doing. So I just want to hopefully stitch a couple of things together because Jesus actually makes these connections between what he's saying and peace and, and a few other things in the next kind of few chapters. So if you go through to John chapter 16, verse 33, you get this rather well-known verse. I've told you these things so that in me you, ha you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. 
Well, Jesus, what's, he, what's Jesus saying? He's saying, you're going to have trouble in the world and we can all kind of give an amen to that. And then he says that there's actually a way to, to have peace. And if you notice up there, the way that you have peace is by being, interestingly, kind of in him. You've got to get in him. You see that there? And the other thing that I think is really interesting about this verse is there's some kind of connection to him saying things and being in him. Do you see that? I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So it's not just about, Jesus is not just about giving you new content or reminding you of content. There's something going on with the things that he says and being in him. You with me? Now, if you go back to John chapter 15, which is in between 14 and 16, just to help you out, that one's for free. Um, you, You see something fascinating in John chapter 15 and it's in verse 5 and 7 and I've bold and italicized it right I'm just going to read it the whole uh the whole of the two verses with you I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing and then verse 7 if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you now What you've got in these two verses is pretty much the same saying. But what Jesus does is he switches out something in the second saying and sticks something else in there. The first part is that being in Jesus and him being in you go together. But look at the second bit. See, if you remain in me and I in you is the first version of it the second version of it is if you remain in me and my what remains in you now that's interesting isn't it do you know what's interesting about that this is what's interesting about that jesus's words alive and lively in you are synonymous with jesus himself being in you that's what he's saying now you know what this is like if you've ever had the experience where someone that loves you, and I don't even mean romantic, just someone who cares about you, sends you an encouraging text message, right? You get the alert tone on your phone, you crack your phone up, you open it up, and it's a whole paragraph. And while you're reading that paragraph, it feels like that person is like right there, doesn't it? Aren't they just right there? And then you put it down and maybe... An hour later, you crack it open again. <laughs> and, and you read it again, and that person's kind of near to you at that point. If you've ever had that experience, then you've got a taste of what I think Jesus is talking about here. But time's a million, <laughs> right? And one of the sad things, and this is a whole other sermon, so I'm not going to go into it, but one of the sad things sometimes in the church, in my experience, is... God's word is being connected from God himself. Sorry, disconnected from God himself. And people talk a lot about God's word and not that much about the person who said it. And their love for him and his love for them. Doesn't make sense because people's word and their person stay together. So here's, here's the question. How do you get deep peace in the middle of trouble? Well... Let me lay it out for you. You get deep peace by being in him. And you go, well, how do you do that? By the Holy Spirit reminding you of what Jesus says and making his words live and lively in you. 
That's how you do it. And you might go, well, what does that do? How does that give me peace? Well, just like with your friend who sent you the text message, there's a sense in which that you're operating in the personal presence of Jesus at that point. In communion with him, he, he talks to you by the Spirit and you talk back to him. And if you're in the presence of the Prince of Peace, guess what you have? Peace. In any situation. In any situation. And I'm, I'm talking about functionally in his presence. So, let me take this for a test drive now. And uh, let's not see if we can't see a little of how this works uh, what what kind of things has jesus said in the gospel of john that would help you to have peace if the holy spirit taught you about them and brought them to your remembrance let me give you a few man if has not this first one been trotted out countless times and has been a peace-inspiring thought. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. John 3.16. That would give you peace, wouldn't it? What about this one? Uh, John uh, 5.17. This one has been so peace-inspiring for me. The Spirit has brought... This one up regularly for me, you know, it, it just kind of recalibrates me in terms of what we're doing and how to live life. And, you know, sometimes stuff happens in the church, you know, and you're just going, what are we going to do, right? And this is one of the scriptures that just comes up over and over and over. And every time it comes up, it's like, peace, Peter. My father is always at work. <laughs> so you don't have to make up stuff. You, you don't have to work out what you're going to do. you just got to find out what he's doing and ask him to show you what he's doing. What about this one? I bet, you, I bet you you've thought about this one before if you've been a Christian for a while. John 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. John 10, 29, no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Or one that we did only a couple of weeks ago, John 14, 18, I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. You get the idea? These are some of the things that the Spirit will bring up. But Here's the catch. You, gotta, you actually got to listen to Jesus in the first place for the Spirit to be able to use these most of the time. It's like it doesn't just kind of come out of nowhere. That's why it's important to read the Bible. It's important to go to church, listen to people preach and help you to understand the Word. And do you know something that the Spirit can bring these things up in the most precise of moments? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You can just be in a place of like incredible tumult and then bam! A verse will just drop and it's like a fire blanket, isn't it? And it's like, all right, what were we doing again? 
you know, uh, you shake your head and just go, oh, man, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing this other thing. How did it happen? The Spirit brought up something that Jesus says and it brought about peace in you. Losing it, getting it, growing it. Let's finish here. Growing it. I want to look at the last... uh, Last part of verse 27, but um, I want you to know something about peace before we actually look at that. And, and this is what you need to know, is that peace is actually something that you grow in. Most of us think it's something that someone hands to you, but peace is actually something that you need to grow in. How do I know this? Because if you go to Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, it's actually one of the fruit of the Spirit. And I shouldn't say that in a plural way. The fruit of the Spirit is all of these. But as God grows you, as the Spirit grows you, you will grow in peace. Now, when I look at this list, and I wonder if you can have a look at it there, if if this was one of those games where you had to pick the odd one out that didn't fit, all right, I would pick peace. Peace just looks like the odd one out. Um, You know why? Because all of the other ones look like things that you have to do, And peace looks like the one that kind of just comes to you, that you don't have to do. Um, It it seems to be something over which you have little control. But I want you to hear me this morning that if peace comes from being in Jesus and being in Jesus comes from the Holy Spirit reminding you of what Jesus has said and being reminded of what Jesus has said is about listening to Jesus, then you could expect to grow in peace, couldn't you? You could expect to grow in peace so how does jesus finish verse 27 do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid is this a command are we sinning if we are afraid or if our hearts get troubled perhaps it can happen But I I don't think that's the main thing that Jesus is saying here. Here's what I think he's saying. Uh, He's saying that he's given you his peace. You have the Holy Spirit. You're in him, in his presence. You're in his care. He has everything in hand. Uh, You don't need to be troubled at the core of who you are. You just don't. Uh, You don't need to be afraid in your heart. Like being troubled at the core of who you are being anxious at the core of who you are is unnecessary it's just not necessary and i'd ask you this how much of your trouble how much of your fear is unnecessary there's a um for some, probably a rather irritating story about Jesus in uh, Mark's gospel in the, the fourth chapter. And it's, it's uh, Jesus says to the disciples, uh, come on, let's go. Let's, let's get in the boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. And of course, they get part of the way across the Sea of Galilee and a furious squall breaks up. And uh, the waves start crashing over the edge of the boat. And you've got this stark comparison between the disciples who think they're about to die and at the other end of the boat 
Jesus is asleep on a cushion, right? Now, some of you are going, Pete, I know where you're going with this. You're going to tell us uh, we should have peace like Jesus, but he was the son of God and he had more power than you would do. I'm not even going to say that. I'm not even going to say that. Because, you know, here's the bottom line. If the... If the waves are crashing over the boat and Jesus is in the boat, do you think he got wet? I reckon he did. I reckon he got wet. I do think that he knew what he was doing and he was peaceful about it all, but I think he got affected by the trouble that was going on. He just knew what was going on. And, and here's the bottom line. If you get and you live in his presence, you'll get a bit of that kind of vibe. <laughs> it's just kind of how it rolls. That's how he actually works. You, I'm not saying that you have to be exactly like him, but you could be a little bit like that in the midst of trouble, couldn't you? That, that could be a bit contagious. The way that he does it. I, uh, I studied a, uh, a Bachelor of uh, Education at uh, Sydney University in Design and Technology. And um, um, I, uh, I finished it uh, and, um, and got a job in a Christian school in uh, Sydney. It's quite a large Christian school. And um, this is a story I've told a few times in my family. My, my boys think this is hilarious, this story, all right? It was less funny for me, but I'm just going to tell it. So if you laugh, I'll be okay, all right? I have been laughed at a lot of times already but, uh, about this. But uh, there, was a, um, there was a kid in year 10 that was just trouble. In fact, I will carry, I'm not going to say it out loud, but I know his name is in my head right here, right? And uh, he, I will carry his name to my dying day. I think, all right, because uh, he and I did not get along and he just was taking the whole Year 10 boys cohort down a really nasty path. Anyway, it got to a point in the, in the year where uh, I needed to have some extended sick leave and uh, so I went on leave and uh, travelled home to Toowoomba to be with my parents uh, during that time and uh, eventually I ended up back in Sydney and I was renting a room in a granny flat with this family uh, that owned the, the granny flat. They were in the main house and um, their son and I were in the granny flat and the house was actually on the bus route um, from the school. And, um, and as I drove into uh, the driveway, I noticed that someone had tried to burn the letterbox, right? Um, and... Uh, and I, I just didn't think anything of it. So I, uh, I went back to school uh, and I found out the word on the street that got around was that this kid had actually tried to burn the letterbox down of the place where I lived, right? And um, so I got home and I said, what, what's the deal with the letterbox? Like, it's, it's like all black and like, what happened there? And they said, oh, we don't know. We just kind of found the remnants of a rag in there and there was a glass bottle in there and then it was all kind of blackened. And you know what? 
It was a classic dumb criminal thing. Do you know why? Because the letterbox was made of non-combustible material. It was never going to burn down. I said, well, what did you do? And they said, we just wiped it down. So you tried to burn down a letterbox which is made of non-combustible material. And I want to say to you this morning, this is how God would have you to be. You know, we don't walk by unaffected when trouble happens. Like I said, I don't think Jesus was completely unaffected lying in the boat. But you see, at the core of who Jesus was, he wasn't worried. See, when we have Jesus and his words live and lively in us, the outside can be scorched by trouble. But we don't lose our fundamental strength and structure. We don't come undone at the center of who we are. That's the kind of people that Jesus wants you to be. Not people who are completely unaffected by trouble, but you are still, if I can use this phrase, structurally sound at the end. Do you know what that's like? Would you like to know what it's like? I want to pray in a moment um, for you. Um, For anyone who would like me to pray for them. Uh, Because there are going to be people all over the map here. There's going to be people who haven't had trouble for a while. And um, we probably need to know who you are so that people who are in the middle of trouble can get some encouragement. (laughs) Amen. There's um, maybe there's people who are in the middle of trouble at the moment. And and you're just going, yeah, I, I know that reality of the spirit reminding me of what Jesus says and it is happening real time for me because it does happen real time for people and it's like I would just like more of that if Jesus can just keep by the spirit if the things about Jesus can just keep coming up for me that would be absolutely awesome if that was the case um maybe maybe you you're one of those and it's like you you seem to give thanks for Jesus bringing you into a peaceful place in the midst of trouble and then there's probably a third category of people Um, if you're anything like me uh, sometimes is is you just this is you I don't know what it means or how to be peaceful in the middle of trouble. You know, you just sat there for 40 minutes and you just go, I I haven't got a clue. I'm clueless when it comes to getting peace in the middle of trouble. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you too. Because you need, you need the spirit to get to work. And to help you with that. So if you are in any one of those three categories, you're, uh, you don't have trouble, I want to give thanks for you. Um, you're in the middle of trouble and the Spirit is actively at work. I want to pray for you that that happens more and more for you. That he's reminding you of what Jesus says. Or if you don't even know 
what the heck and i'd love to pray for you too um and let's just do it again because it's become a tradition if you want to stand up i'll just pray for those who are standing and so um, feel free if you're in one of those categories to stand and let me pray Jesus, it seems like when we're in the middle of trouble, it can be its just so hard to see how to get peace. read things or look at social media feeds or talk to people and people might talk about strategies and things but it's like oh it's such a lack of peace I can't even implement a strategy and spirit I, I pray for anyone in that space right now I pray that you would be speaking to them speaking words of peace spirit I pray that you would speak to their heart right now the words that Jesus said to the storm peace be still there are many of us today God who are experiencing your spirit speaking words and teaching us and reminding us of things that Jesus said and they give us peace and I want to give you thanks I want to give you thanks for that that that's happening that you are doing that and I want to ask for those people on behalf of them that you would do it more and that uh, they would stay attuned to you and just hear at the precisely right moment everything that you want to remind them of and teach them about. I also want to pray, God, for the people who are just in the clear at the moment. God, thank you for times of peace and refreshment. Thank you for your graciousness. Thanks that you're still involved in this world and there are good things going on. I pray that you'd help them to give thanks to you for your grace and your kindness to them. Um, and also, I just pray that you help them enjoy it. And also be ready for when it gets interrupted. I pray for that too. Amen.